0: you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate Because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate.
1: Our second reading comes from Genesis, um, chapters 12, and then again, chapter 15. Our Sunday school children should recognize these verses because they were our lesson last week. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield your reward shall be very great but abram said oh lord god what will you give me for i continue childless the heir of my house is eleazar of damascus and abram said behold the word of the lord this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside And he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it unto him as righteousness.
2: Wee-bee!
3: 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the God, the ark of God dwells in the tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart. Of the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word in any of the judges? to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, a host, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be a prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. but my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David.
4: For this lesson, we're reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, chapter 9, and chapter 11. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea.
5: Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus.
2: Church.
6: Luke 2, 1 through 16. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger.
2: Angels we
7: Revelation chapter 21st, uh, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Verses 22 to 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gate will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding eating its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever.
8: If you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. And we heard several readings from the book of Isaiah in this service. These are prophecies that were written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And today we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 40. As a church, we have been working through the book of 1 Samuel looking at the story of David. But we're taking a break for the Christmas season. And for each Sunday during this month, we're looking at the theme of shepherds. And last week last week we looked at the famous Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And here again, we see this picture of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the shepherd of his people. So this is Isaiah, chapter 40, and I'll begin reading in verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those that are with young. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Now this Christmas season, we often struggle with our calling. What is it that we're called to do? And whether you recognize it or not, some of you may believe that it's your calling to be as busy as possible. Just put as much on your schedule as you can until you're completely burned out after Christmas. Or some of you may believe that it's your calling to give as many gifts as possible. So you're down at the post office waiting in long lines. You're at the the sales at stores trying to get all of the, the presents. Or maybe some of you believe that it's to invite as many people over for Christmas as possible to, to show that hospitality to those around you. How many people can you fit around your dinner table? Or how many cars can park in your, your driveway? Or then maybe some believe that it's your calling just to survive and you just can't wait to the new year when you can get back to your normal routines. But as we look at this passage today from Isaiah we see that we have a, a very special spiritual calling. And you could put it in one sentence that we are called to be fearless heralds of good news. That we're called to be fearless heralds of good news. And you can break that down into three sections. And so first, we're called to be heralds this Christmas. That we're called to be Heralds. And you see that word in your Bible, look again at, at verse 9, it says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. So you see that word herald twice, and, and you see that the, the text is personifying Jerusalem and Zion, that they become this representation of God's covenant people, that they're, they're going up to the mountain to proclaim good news. The Legacy Standard Bible says, bearer of good news. The, the CSB translation says, messenger of good news. In the original Hebrew, it's actually just one word for messenger, herald of good news. But herald is a good word, even though it's one we may not use that often. The the dictionary defines a herald as an official messenger bringing good news. And so you could think back to Greece, 490 years before the the birth of Christ. And ironically, it was about 250 years after the time of Isaiah. The Greeks and the Persians fought an enormous battle, and the Greeks were victorious, and it was called the Battle of Marathon. And they needed to get word as quickly as possible to the men of Athens, because there was, uh, there was, they were preparing a naval battle, and they needed to know that they had been victorious on land. And so they appointed a herald, a messenger, Pheidippides, who ran 26 miles from Marathon to Athens— and that's where we get the word marathon, and then people decide to run that distance on purpose. <laughs> um, and, and so when Pheidippides entered into Athens, uh, according to the tradition, he was yelling, Nike, Nike, which means victory, victory, because the, the victory had been won, that he was this herald of good news. And that's our calling as well, as heralds of good news, to To go out into the world with crying, Nike, Nike, and everyone thinks you're talking about the tennis shoes. But you say, no, it's victory over sin, over death, that we proclaim a message of victory. And that's why Jesus, when he's speaking to believers in Matthew 28, says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He's saying, I'm commissioning you as a herald of good news, declaring victory to the world. Or in Acts 1.8, Jesus says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's our calling as individuals to be a herald. And that's really the calling of Hope Church as well, that, that together we desire to be a herald of good news. Maybe some of you are here because you got a, a postcard in the mail. You might say, well, why would a church send out a postcard? And it's because we have the calling of, of a herald that we're announcing good news of victory over sin, victory over death, that we have a, a message to proclaim to the world around us. That's why we're called Hope Presbyterian Church, because we have the message of hope that we're called to herald as heralds, of good news, Again, we're called to be heralds this Christmas season. But then second, we're called to be fearless heralds this Christmas. Look again at verse 9 in your Bible. It says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. So you see that language there of of lifting up our voices with strength. It says to lift up our voice without fear. It says that that we're tempted to be weak and and timid to be fearful as heralds. But of course, you, you think back to Pheidippides, running the 26 miles from Marathon to Athens. I mean, imagine if he saw the Greek victory over the Persian army, and then he was commissioned as a herald. He runs without stopping for the 26 miles. He comes into the streets of Athens, and then he says, well, I don't want to seem like a know-it-all. Um, and, and really, there, there are, are many truths and I can't say that, that my truth is the truth of, of others, that my truth is that it has been, there's been a great victory, but somebody else's truth may be different. And, and if I come boldly declaring victory, maybe people will think poorly of me. Uh, maybe I'll actually turn off my neighbors where they won't want to listen to me because they'll think that I'm too excited and too confident with this message. But if you think about it, that's what we often do as heralds of good news. That we have this incredible message that we're called to proclaim with strength and without fear. But yet then we say, well maybe people will think poorly of me. Um, Maybe I'll be viewed the wrong way. Maybe I'll be perceived as as having all of the answers. And I, I love what E.J. Young, an Old Testament scholar, said in his commentary on our text today, he says that the church is not to pose as a seeker after tr- truth, unsure of her message, but to declare in clear, firm, and positive voice that her message is true. And it's not that the believers have know everything or have the answers for everything that we don't want to... To be arrogant and presuming to know things that we don't know. But yet, because of what Jesus did, that we have a message of victory. And it's not an uncertainty. It's not posing as one just seeking after truth. But there is a victory that has been accomplished. And our calling is to declare it boldly. And that's what we've seen in this service as we went through those seven readings from Genesis to Revelation, that what it's saying is, no, it's not just that Jesus may be good news, but that what he has done for us is good news, and we can boldly herald it and proclaim it to the world as good news. And again, we're called to be fearless heralds this Christmas season. But then... Third and and finally, we said we're called to be heralds, we're called to be fearless heralds, but we're called to be fearless heralds of good news. That Pheidippides knew the good news that he needed to proclaim when he got to Athens. That he didn't show up in Athens and say, the good news that I'm here to proclaim is Platonic philosophy, or let's begin to debate politics together, or Let's discuss the best road construction program for the city of Athens. That he had a very narrow, focused message on what he knew to be true about the Greek victory over the Persians. That he was clear what the good news is that he was called to proclaim. And it's the, the same for us, but, but often we can become confused that we can start to think that the good news that we're called to herald is ourselves. That when people see how good and loving and moral I am, well, then they'll want Jesus, that I myself am what is heralded. Or we can herald social change or political action or a whole host of ideas that aren't wrong in and of themselves, but it's not the, the central message that we're called to proclaim. It's not the good news that the herald brings to the world. So what is the good news? What is the the message of the herald? And you see it very clearly in our text. So look again at verse 9 in your Bible, the second half of that verse. It says, "Lift, Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, Say to the cities of Judah. So, what is the good news that they are to herald? What are they proclaiming? And it's Behold your God. In the original Hebrew, it's two words with a suffix. In English, it's three words Behold your God. This is very simple, concise message. And that's what we're called to do as, as heralds of good news, to say that we have seen the victory of the, the Lord God of the universe, and that you can behold your God. That's what we try to do as a church, not to just be a, a, a club of people who get together to do social activities, but a place where we can say, behold your God. I will introduce you to the God of the universe, to know him, to be in relationship, to, to behold his glory. But then you may say, well, where do I behold God? Where can I see God? That I, I look around this room and I don't see God physically present here. How do we herald him saying, behold our God? And then ultimately, we, we herald God. In God's word, that it, it's God's word that's the, the light to our feet, the lamp to our path. And you can see that even just in the verses that precede our text today. If you look back just at verse 7 of the same chapter in Isaiah 40, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades when the branch of the Lord blows, breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That as we search the pages of Scripture, as we follow the the storyline of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that we behold God. And it's not just that we behold God in some abstract way, but but we behold God in the person of Jesus Christ, who is truly God and truly man. That all the way back in our first reading this morning, you heard the, the promise that God gave back in Genesis 3.15. That there would come the, the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. That would bring victory over sin and over evil and the power of Satan. And that's Jesus who comes. His heel is bruised as he is nailed to the cross, but in the process he crushes sin and death, that that he accomplished his victory. And that when we behold God in the person of Jesus Christ, that we can go to our, our friends and our and our family and begin to proclaim that victory, that there is victory over patterns of sin in our life. There are There's victory over patterns of addiction. There's victory over patterns of selfishness and pride. Not because of anything within ourselves, but because of Jesus, that he has won the victory. He has vanquished the enemy for us. And then we can be these fearless, bold heralds of the king. But then as you look again at your Bible, you see how this... God is described. And what we get in verses 10 and 11 is a, is a prophetic picture of Jesus. Behold your God, the God that would come 700 years in the future to be born in Bethlehem, to be laid in the manger. Who is this God that they beheld in the form of a child? Verse 10, behold the Lord comes with might, and his arms, His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. And so first we get the picture of this coming king as this strong king of kings and lord of lords, the one who's coming to judge the, the living and the dead, who's coming to, with, with recompense and reward. But then you get this second picture of the king in verse 11. That he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So you see this this picture of Jesus. Yes, he is the strong, mighty king of the universe, but he also comes to us as the shepherd, that the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and you see his, his gentleness, his love, his care. That when you are suffering, when you are struggling with life, when you're wondering if there's any hope, if there's any peace, that it's, it's Jesus who comes not to yell at you, not to shame you, but Jesus comes as the shepherd to carry you, to to hold you, to show the tenderness of his love, even for sinners who walk away from him, who want nothing to do with him, carrying us to himself in mercy and in care. And so when we say, behold your God, that we're beholding God in Christ as the king, as the humble shepherd who loves us and protects us. So then the the question for each one of us this morning is this, have we beheld God in Jesus Christ? Have you seen the glory of God in the pages of Scripture? Have you experienced that glory? And that glory of the King is on offer to us this morning. That for anyone who repents of their sin, that turns away from trusting in their own goodness, to, to trust in Christ, for Him to rule, for Him to be the shepherd that carries us to, to safety. But then as those that are believers who have have beheld our God and the, the person of Christ shining through the pages of Scripture, then how can we practically become heralds? What does that look like? Well, it could be that you find somebody who's a friend and you say, Let, let's sit down and study the Bible together. Let's meet weekly for coffee, and, and we'll just go through one of the books of the New Testament. And not that you would have to have all the answers, but you read it, you discuss it. What does it say? What does it mean? How does this apply? That you help someone, whether they're a professed believer or not, help them be in the scripture to, to behold the glory of God. Or maybe it's inviting a friend to, to worship. Or when we do the Hope Explored course for people to be able to explore Christianity in February, you invite a friend that you take on that mantle of being the herald, the fearless herald, knowing that you have a a message of good news. And then in everything, taking comfort in Christ, who is your king, who is your shepherd, to carry you in his gentle arms. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that you are the glorious King of kings. And Lord, today we want to behold you with the eyes of faith. We thank you for giving us your word and telling us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but that the word endures forever. So Father, I pray that as a people together that we can be in Scripture regularly, that we can behold Our God, Lord, I pray that we can keep our eyes on Christ this Christmas season, that we see him ruling and protecting us and guarding us in his strength, carrying us and loving us in his tender mercy. And Father, we, we pray that you would turn away our false ideas of you as a distant God who's unconcerned, with the details of our life, but that we would be so overcome by the victory that you have accomplished through Christ, that you have applied by the Holy Spirit, that our only response can be heralds this Christmas season to our friends, to our family, that we can declare victory because of him. We pray in his glorious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now please stand and we'll sing our final song, Silent Night.